What's up, Wizards fans and NBA nerds? My name is Bryce Haas, and you're listening to the Wizards Hoops Analyst Podcast on the Hoop Heads Podcast Network, a podcast giving you game-by-game breakdowns of everything Wizards. Hey, Hoopheads, once you finish listening to this episode, be sure to check out the rest of the Hoopheads Podcast Network for even more great basketball content. So at the time of recording this, the NBA season is back in a couple hours, um, and the Wizards are playing against the Raptors tomorrow to open up the season, and uh, I'm super excited. Um, I want to do this episode um, as the first episode of the year to kind of preview the Wizards season. What I'm going to do is first... Um, recap a little what happened last year, um, then go over some of the offseason changes, my thoughts on them, um, then talk about the preseason a tiny little bit, um, just talk about like schematic stuff that the Wizards have been doing, and then talk about my expectations for the Wizards this season. Um, so looking at last year, the Wizards were 22nd in point differential. Their point differential was minus 1.6 per 100 possessions. Um, they won 34 games, they lost 38, and they ended up being the ninth seed, in the, or the eighth seed in the Eastern Conference. They lost to the Celtics in that first playing game. And then they beat the um, Pacers in the second playoff game by a lot. And then they lost in five games to the 76ers in the first round of the playoffs in a series that wasn't necessarily very competitive. Um, Looking at their offense and defense, last season they're 20th in offense and 16th in defense. Um, It ended up being pretty surprising that they were um, high rated on defense and offense, but I will talk about that a little bit. Um, Just looking at their four factors for offense and defense. On offense, their effective field goal percentage was 20th, turnover percentage was 15th, offensive rebound rate was 23rd, and free throw rate was 3rd. Um, on defense, their effective field goal percentage was 13th. For these, This is for the opposing team. Turnover rate for the opposing team was 16th. Um, offensive rebound rate, 17th, and free throw rate was 28th, meaning that they fouled a lot. Um, so some of the stuff I want to go over, Bradley Beal was an all-star. Um, he was clearly the best player on the team, played the most minutes, or did not play the most minutes. I think Westbrook played the most minutes, um, but he was by far the best player on the team. Um, Westbrook got a lot better as the season went on. Like, if you remember, he was just terrible, like, the first, like, 15, 20 games of the season because of that quad injury and then got better. Um, as the season went on, um, yeah, like, there weren't a ton of positives last season. Um, I guess, like, Thomas Bryant and Mo Wagner, after they went down, the Wizards got a lot better. And also, like, down the end stretch of the season, the Wizards were actually, like, legitimately pretty good. Um, a lot of the teams they were playing did have injury issues, and the Wizards were a lot healthier down the stretch. Um, than most teams, um, which really propelled them to get to that eighth seed. Um, but also, they're just playing much better. They're playing much better as a team offensively and defensively. Um, and they did. They earned that eighth seed. Um, and they did a great job to get there. So um, I'll talk about, I want to talk about a couple overarching themes of last season that I don't think will continue. Um, so number one is the shooting frequency. The Wizards were 24th in shots taken at the rim and 30th in shots taken from three. Um, and they were first in shots taken from mid-range, um, which includes second from short mid-range, which is 4 to 14 feet, and they were third in long mid-range, from, which is 14 feet to the, out to the three-point line. Um, that's not going to continue this season. Um, also, in terms of shooting accuracy, um, they're 24th in three-point accuracy, and like I said a second ago, they're 30th in frequency. Like The Wizards were arguably the worst shooting team in the league last season, um, and they finished really well at the rim, despite never really shooting around there very much. Um, And then in terms of transition, they were second in the NBA in terms of transition frequency. They ran 17.8% of their possessions. Um, That's not going to continue because 
a lot of that is driven by the Russell Westbrook factor. If there is one thing that Russell Westbrook is really, really, really good at, it's juicing up the pace of his team. Um, so the Wizards were... They ran on 36.6% of their live rebounds, which is first in the league by far. And a lot of that is because Russell Westbrook goes really, really hard after rebounds defensively, um, which is a good thing to juice up the transition attack. But it's, you know, a very, very overrated thing. I've talked about that a lot um, in the past on this podcast. So let's see. Uh, I do want to talk a little about the defense stuff, too. Um, In terms of shooting frequency for defense, it was actually first in the league in shots taken around the rim for the opponent. Um, some of that, like that number is a little bit juiced because the way that the, like the camera and the wizards are like, so the way tracking data works is that there's like six cameras in every arena. Um, and there's, so Seth Partnow wrote a really good article, about like how the way that the wizards arena tracks the shot data, um, is a little bit weird with how it gives them rim attempts. Um, so it gives their team and the other team less rim attempts than it really should across the league. Um, so that's why some of their rim numbers are weird. Like that could also help to explain why the Wizards were 24th in shots at the rim. Um, but still, like they did a good job of protecting the rim last year. Um, opponents were th- shot the most mid-range jumpers um, out of any team in the league, which is a really good thing. And they were shot the fifth fewest threes, which is at all that is good. Um, but in terms of accuracy, um, 27th in um, shots taken around the rim. Again, some of that can be driven by um, they're just closer to the rim than some other teams. Um, so that can drive your uh, opponent's efficiency up. And 17th in three-point attempts, which is about league average. Um, so not much progression or regression is going to be respect, uh, expected there. Um, and then in terms of transition, um, while the Wizards ran a lot, so their opponents and some of that can be driven by Russell Westbrook. Um, but also, like everyone else is doing, like Bradley Beal is not good in transition defense at all. Um, the centers are generally around the rim. They're not getting back. Um, maybe Gaffer can help with that this year because he's just so athletic. Like maybe he's just going to be in better shape and hope like he's really, really fast in a straight line. Like so is Thomas Bryant uh, when he eventually comes back. So um, maybe the Wizards could be better at that this year. But they were 26 last year in frequency of opponent transition at, um, offensive possessions, um, which is bad because um, transition is so much more efficient than half-court offense. Um, so yeah, that's going to do it for my little bit talk about last season um i want to talk about the off season because i haven't been, oh also um they're expected wins over 82 games last season which is what cleaning glass um they use the point differential put through a little formula uh pretty basic and then it gives you how many wins you expect to win over 82 games so the wizards that their number was 36.9 um expected wins over 82 games um so some of their offseason changes, I'll talk about their additions first. They added Spencer Dinwiddie to that three-year, $60 million contract, um, but the actual number on that is a little bit lower because of the incentives. Um, Contavious Caldwell Pope, Kyle Kuzma, and Montrez Harrell all came over from the Russell Westbrook trade. Um, Aaron Holiday also came from that trade. The Wizards sent out the 22nd pick in the draft, which ended up being Isaiah Jackson. They got back Aaron Holiday and the 31st pick in the draft. The 31st pick in the draft ended up being Isaiah Todd. And then the Wizards had the 15th pick in the draft, and they selected Corey Kispert. Um, They also got some guys from the undrafted market. Um, They did not keep Jay Huff. Kyrie Walker is in the G League. And Jordan Goodwin um, is also in the G League. They picked up, um, so Joel Ayayi was an undrafted free agent, signed with the Wizards. He was on Gonzaga last year, one of the better players. Um, and then he is on a two-way contract now, so he's another addition. And obviously they added Wes Unsell Jr. as their coach. 
So in terms of losses, they obviously traded Russell Westbrook in that massive deal. They lost Isak Bonga, um, favorite of the pod. Um, Garrison Matthews, another favorite of the pod. Um, Ish Smith went to the Charlotte Hornets, I believe, on a five or six million dollar deal. Um, I don't remember exactly how much it was. Um, Chandler Hutchison was part of that big trade. He went to the Spurs, and then he got waived. Um, I don't remember where he's at right now. Um, Alex Len signed with the Kings on like he got above the minimum, I believe. Like he got a pretty solid deal, but he was good for the Wizards last year. And then Robin Lopez is with the Magic. He was also pretty good for the Wizards last year. Um, so yeah. Um, in terms of my thoughts for the offseason stuff, like I actually think the Wizards got better. Um, I think that Russell Westbrook's impact on this team, while by the end of the year he was certainly a helpful player, um, I think his impact on winning basketball games is a little overstated. Um, but like I've said a lot, like the way that Russell Westbrook operates is that I think he's like a really good floor raiser, but not necessarily a really good ceiling raiser, if that makes sense. So like he can push the Wizards from a 30-win team to a 37-win team, but he's not necessarily going to push a team from like a 55-win team to a 60-win team um, or like a championship um, or like a like a conference final level team to a championship level team. Um, so yeah, I think it's going to be really, really, really interesting to track him on the Lakers. Like I'm going to be looking at that very, very closely. Um, but anyways, um, so losing Russell Westbrook and basically getting back like four capable NBA players. So Spencer Dinwiddie, Contavious Caldwell, Pope, Kyle Kuzma, Montrose Harrell, and Aaron Holiday are all the guys that got back in the deal. Um, so they traded away Russell Westbrook in his terribly bad contract and the 22nd pick in the draft, and then they got five capable players and then the 31st pick in the draft. Like, that's a pretty incredible deal in my eyes. Like, they ended up flipping the John Wall pick, or John Wall's terrible contract for a lot of good basketball players. I think that's really good. Like, I really like Spencer Dinwiddie. I like the contract there. Um, Contavious Caldwell Pope is a starting level shooting guard. He's someone that the Wizards really need. Like, Kyle Kuzma, I think, is a good basketball player. He's not on a bad contract at all. And, like, both Kyle Kuzma and Contavious Caldwell Pope are very movable contracts that the Wizards want. Same thing can be said for Montrezl Harrell. Um, he won sixth man of the year a couple years ago, whether you think he deserved it or not. Um, he's still a very capable player coming off the bench. Aaron Holiday is another pretty capable player coming off the bench. Like, I thought he was actually, like, really good two years ago. Um, he was pretty good in the bubble. Um, last year, he didn't do very well, um, which is probably why the Pacers want to trade him because they locked up TJ McConnell. I don't think they could have afforded to give Aaron Holiday any money. Um, so he's now on the Wizards. Um, and then Corey Kispert, they drafted from Gonzaga. I'm not too high on the pick. I see, I, like, I get the logic, and they also they did that after the Russell Westbrook deal, I think. Um, so I think the thought of taking someone like Corey Kispert, who's already a little bit older and doesn't really have a very high ceiling, is that he's going to be a rotation player that can help soon. I don't think he's a rotation player this year. I would be shocked if he plays a lot of minutes, especially considering how deep the Wizards are. Um, they also picked Isaiah Todd, who 100%, like, he's not going to spend very much time um, playing. Like, he's not an NBA player right now. Like, he's just not good enough. He doesn't know what he's doing. Um, he has athletic tools. Um, he has flashes of really interesting stuff that he showed with the G League Ignite. He's just not very good at basketball right now, um, which is fine. Like he's like, what, 19, 20 years old. Like you don't expect guys like that normally, especially if they're the 31st pick in the draft to be good at basketball right now. Um, so we'll kind of wait around and see with him. Um, in terms of the players I lost besides Russell Westbrook, the only one that was like, well, the centers are going to hurt. Um, but I'll talk about them in a second. Like Ishmith, um, he was kind of splitting time with Howell Neto towards the end of the season. Um, so, like, do I think that the Wizards need Ish Smith? Like, no, especially since they picked up Aaron Holiday. They already have Howell Neto. Those are, they have two backup, capable backup point guards. They don't need three backup point guards. So, 
I don't mind losing Ishmith at all. Um, I was not a big fan of him last year, but he did, like, after he came back from that injury. Like, he was so much better. It was crazy. Um, he was actually a good player in the playoffs last year. Um, so that was really, really impressive. Um, another guy, so two guys that they lost that I think are actually going to hurt them, not the most, because obviously Westbrook's going to hurt them the most from losing him, even though I'm much lower on his impact. Um, Alex Landon and Robin Lopez, losing them is going to hurt. Um, the Wizards, um, again, Seth Partnow, I'm going to shout him out again wrote a great piece about how the Wizards defense got so much better because they stopped playing Thomas Bryant and Mo Wagner all their center minutes and they started playing giving all their center minutes to Daniel Gafford, Alex Len, and Robin Lopez. Um the reason they got a lot better is because their point of attack defense was pretty weak. So you're kind of reliant on your centers to protect the rim, especially within the scheme the Wizards were playing last year, which was a more conventional drop. Um like Thomas Bryant and Mo Wagner could not execute that very well because they're just not good at protecting the rim. So if you want to play more conventional drop, you need to do it with rim protectors that are good. Um, Alex Len, Robin Lopez, and Daniel Gafford are all really, really good rim protectors. Like that's the reason Alex Len is in the league. Like Alex Len is not very good at anything else besides protecting the rim. Um, Robin Lopez, like he's, his best skill is defense, his best skill is rim protection. Um, Daniel Gafford, protecting the rim is pretty much the only thing he really, really does at this point besides being a lob threat um, and then being a pretty good rebounder. Like, these guys are in the league mainly for their rim protection, and they did a really good job of that, and they were the turning point in the Wizards' season, to me, more so than Russell Westbrook because having an actual, like, the Wizards' offense was never very good. That's what Russell Westbrook was providing, and, like, even, like, the units, like, without Bradley Beal, like, and just Russell Westbrook, they were bad last year. So um, I think that the rim protection, like, their defense being 16th was really what helped push them over the top to be in that 8th seed. Um, and that was driven by the centers. Um, so yeah, so the next thing I want to talk about, um, is Wes Unsell Jr. Um, an interesting hire. I've seen a lot of people complaining that like, if his name wasn't Wes Unsell Jr., he may not be hired. And I do kind of want to push back on that a little bit because he's so well established. Um, he obviously started off with the Wizards, um, whether or not you want to say that he was given an opportunity with the Wizards because of nepotism, like, okay, like maybe, um, but that was a long time ago. He works his way up with the Denver Nuggets. Like, is his name West, like West Sunset Jr.? Does that carry any weight with the Nuggets? Like, probably not very much. Like, he worked his way up to associate head coach. He was coaching their defense, and like, to get that defense with that personnel to like a pretty good level, like, I think the Nuggets were 12th or 14th last year in defense, something like that. Um, to get a defense led by Nikola Jokic with Michael Porter Jr. as your four, um, and, like, the guys coming off their bench that they did, like, that's a pretty good job. Like, they've always done interesting stuff in Denver, like, and Wes Unsell Jr. has been considered for a lot of other coaching jobs. He's been interviewed by a lot of other teams to be the head coach. It's like he's just some random candidate that they just randomly picked. Like, he's a legit guy. Like, this is not a Ryan Saunders situation in any way whatsoever. Like, Wes Unsell Jr. is a legitimate head coach hire, um, if the Wizards didn't hire him this year, he would have been hired eventually as a head coach for an NBA team. So I think that saying that this is a case of nepotism is really, really unfair to the qualifications of West Unsell Jr. Like, if he's not West Unsell Jr., does he get hired as the Wizards coach? Like, maybe not. But if he's not West Unsell Jr., he's going to get hired as another head coach. So I think it's a perfectly, like, good hire. Like, he was the hire that I was calling for in the last episode I did, I believe, um, when I talked about how Scott Brooks was fired, like, West Sunset Jr. has always been the guy. Like, throughout the season last year, I talked about West Sunset Jr. a ton because I thought Scott Brooks was not a good coach. Um, the thing about, NBA, like, in the NBA, like, all the coaches are exceptional. Like, they're all incredible. They're the best coaches on earth. And if someone is 
not quite exceptional. They're just like really, really, really good, which is what I think Scott Brooks was. Um, you can really tell. Like I thought that Scott Brooks really got outcoached by Doc Rivers um, in that series against the Sixers. Like I don't think Scott Brooks did a great job throughout the whole season um, in terms of schemes, in terms of play calling, in terms of the way that the Wizards played, especially offensively. Like I don't think Scott Brooks did a good job at all. Um, I will credit him for getting the guys to play hard, like getting them to push through, building a good culture. Um, with the, within the organization, like I think he did do a good job of that. Um, but just the schematic stuff, like I don't think it would like the execution stuff, like it, it just wasn't there. Um, so hopefully that's what West Sunso Jr. can bring. Um, and especially for someone who's been around his whole life, like hopefully he can build a good culture. Hopefully he can create um, some stuff, like run some interesting stuff defensively, uh, more interesting stuff offensively that utilizes the strength of his players, which is what I think Scott Brooks really struggled with. Uh, I hope us on so Jr. can execute that. Um, I want to talk a little bit more about um, the players because I kind of just went through them. I didn't talk too much about them. Spencer Dinwiddie, um, he tore his ACL. I think it was just a partial tear. Um, so he, like, he could have came back, I believe, if the Nets made the finals, but they obviously didn't. Um, so he's going to be interesting. Um, a couple years ago, he was really, really good at driving to the rim. Like, that's his core competency. Um, he's a great finisher around the rim. He was, I believe, top 10, top 8-ish in the NBA in terms of drives per game or drives per possession. Um, so he's going to be interesting next to Bradley Beal, who's also on the list of, like, top, I think he was top 6 in drives per possession. Um, so that backcourt being able to attack the rim. And what Spencer Dinwiddie gives that Russell Westbrook didn't is that he can shoot more reliably. Whether or not he's going to be able to shoot threes pulling up is going to be interesting. Like, I want to see what happens if a team tries to go under against him. But we'll see. Um, But yeah, but he can shoot an open shot. Like, Russell Westbrook could not make an open shot. Russell Westbrook could not make a mid-range jumper. Spencer Dinwiddie is a threat to shoot the ball. He's also a good passer. Not quite as good of a playmaker as Russell Westbrook, but I think he might be a better passer than Russell Westbrook. He's definitely much less turnover prone than Russell Westbrook. So it's going to be a similar-ish dynamic as Russell Westbrook, but just, a, like, it's going to be different. Um, it's going to be more aesthetically pleasing to watch by from me. Like, he doesn't make the egregiously bad decisions that Russell Westbrook constantly makes, but also he's not putting as much pressure on the rim. He's not as good of a playmaker. Um, so other guys are going to have to step up in that instance, that area. Um, Kyle Kuzma, um, pretty good shooter. Um, he flashed a lot of shot creation his first year or two in LA and then didn't do much of that because he was forced to play a role. I wonder if he's going to do more of that shot creation stuff. Um, he's another guy who can do, like, he does a lot of head scratching stuff out there. Um, but he's also like a capable wing defender. Like if put him on the Wizards team last year, he's probably the best wing defender, um, on the team. Um, so they desperately need someone in the mold of Kyle Kuzma, kind of like a three indie guy who can maybe provide some extra shot creation, um, not a plus passer in any sort of way. Um, that's going to be a theme here a little bit. Um, Contavious Caldwell Pope, again, not a plus passer in any way, but he can shoot and he can play defense. Um, the Wizards didn't have many of those guys last year. They didn't really have anyone in that 3 and D mold that they could just throw out there, go guard a wing, go guard the other team's best guard, and make some threes. Um, KCP, like you don't really want him putting on the ball on the deck at all unless it's attacking a closeout in a straight line and not having to make any decisions. Um, so that makes me a little bit nervous with him. Um, but yeah, I think he's a really, really good pickup, really good inclusion in the trade. Like the, he was really, really like, he was like the third best player on the Lakers when they won the championship. He's a great role player. Um, I'm really, really happy that he's on this team. Um, Montrezl Harrell, uh, sixth man of the year, a couple years ago, me personally, I thought Dennis Schroeder deserved it over him, but like perfectly fine. Like, I don't really care about sixth man of the year. Um, but yeah, like 
they just give it to the guy who scores the most points way too often, and I don't like it. Um, Montrezl Harrell's not good defensively. He's never been good defensively. He could not get on the floor in the playoffs last year because he can't play defense. Um, offensively, he's really good. And in the regular season, I think he's a really good player um, because just quite frankly, doesn't like he's not going to get attacked the way he does in the playoffs. Um, it's still going to hurt them, obviously. But um, I think in the regular season, his offensive contributions probably outweigh his defensive limitations in most contexts um in the Wizards context we will see because I think it's pretty interesting um but yeah so Montrezl Harrell really really good um offensive player has a really high motor great offensive rebounder really really good in the pick and roll like he's going to be really fun to watch with guys like Aaron Holiday guys like Hal Neto or like Spencer Dinwiddie or even like Bradley Beal like just anyone like he in the short roll, he can catch and he can make plays, not necessarily for others, but like driving to the rim. Um, he can take centers off the bounce. He's a pretty good face-up game, pretty good back-to-the-basket game. Like, he can really punish players if they switch. Um, he's not very tall. He's like 6'8", six, 6'7", six, maybe. Um, but he is really strong, um, and he plays an uh, aggressive style that gets him to the rim a lot, gets fouled a ton. Um, he should be fun to watch um, for the most part. Like, at times, he's definitely going to be frustrating. Um, but he's going to be interesting. Aaron Holiday, he can shoot. Um Plays hard on defense. Um, not too much to say about him. Like he, I want to see him, if he can score the ball from two. I want to see if he can score efficiently this year, and I want to see if he can do anything passing, like off of a live dribble, like in a pick and roll. Like can he pick out that weak side corner? He's just like he's so small out there. I think it's like six one. That might even be generous to him, but uh, we'll see. Like he's probably gonna be the third point guard. Like if he's your third point guard, I think that's really good. Um, and then I already talked a little about Corey Kispert, Isaiah Todd. I don't think they're going to play the season, so I'm not going to really bother too much with them. Um, so yeah, those are the, um, that's all season changes. So now I want to get a little bit into the preseason stuff, um, talk a tiny bit about the stuff they've been doing. So full disclosure, I've watched two of the preseason games. I watched both the games against the Knicks and I watched the game against, no, no, I didn't. I'm trying to think about who they played. I watched both the games against the Knicks. I watched the other game against the Raptors, I think they played. And then I didn't watch the one game that wasn't televised because I didn't have League Pass yet. So that was against the Rockets. So those were their games, yeah. Um, did the Wizards win any of their preseason games? I don't know. I don't really, like, preseason results don't matter at all. Um, but the one thing I will talk about that um, I did notice from the preseason was that they were playing more aggressive pick-and-roll coverages. Um, and that's going to be interesting this year. Um, because it was, like I said, they played a more conventional drop last year, and that does protect the point of attack guys a little bit more, and it puts more emphasis on the centers. Um, them playing higher at the, at the level of the screen tells me either he doesn't trust, like West Sunset Jr. doesn't trust the centers to play in the drop, um, which is probably true for two of them, um, or he thinks that they can just execute that better, like the centers can execute it, um, which is probably also a little bit true. Um, so we'll kind of see. I'll tell you a little bit about that, more about that in the expectations section. Um, he also, like Kyle Kuzma and KCP started um, in all the games. I've heard that the Wizards um, are going to start Rui Hachimura when he comes back from his absence. Um, they said it was a personal absence. Nothing has came out about what the actual personal matter was. Um, I've heard some suspicion that he got COVID and he just didn't want to disclose that. Um, so when he came back to the team, he had to take multiple tests and take multiple days off. So that tells us either the personal absence was that he got COVID or that he was exposed to COVID or that he's just not vaccinated. Um, so I don't really want to speculate too much more on that. And then also the Wizards extended Daniel Gafford um, for a contract value. I got. I want to look at the exact value. I don't want to get it wrong here. So Gafford extension. 
Daniel Gafford's extension was three years for $40.2 million, which gives him an average annual value of 40.2 divided by three, $13.4 million. Um, yeah, so my thoughts on that are that I think that Gafford, like he's really fun, but I think he's really, really overrated right now. Um, I'm going to have a good time watching him this season. I hope he's better, but, um, yeah, I don't like, he's really, really good at protecting the rim. He's really, really good as a lob threat. If he catches the ball, if he touches the ball at all, and it's not an immediate dunk or layup, I think it's really, really, like really bad right now. Like he can't do anything with the ball. If it's not an immediate dunk or like it's constant turnovers, it's bad decisions. Like he doesn't look comfortable at all. Like the Wizards tried to run some delay for him. In the preseason, which is like giving the ball to your center, um, coming up the four, and then having him initiate some offense from the top of the key, like he he can't do any any of that at all right now. Um, he's still young. We'll see how he develops, but like that stuff is really bad. And then just defensive like positioning in general, he needs to work on um, like defensive awareness. He needs to work on like all that stuff, like limiting fouls. Um, that's like you know, like he's young. Like every young big has that issue. So again, we'll see. Like this is going to be his first. Like last year was his first year with like really, really reliable playing time. This year is going to be the first year where like a team's actually relying on him to like start games and play well. Um, so we'll kind of see how his development takes off from here. Like I said, he's young. He's raw. Um, he has tools. He has length. Um, would I have given him three years for forty point two million? No. I see where the Wizards are coming from. Like I think it's a better deal than the Thomas Bryant deal, but. I don't know. Like, I guess we're gonna have to wait and see. Like, everyone's really high on him for a reason. I don't. I see it, but I, I can't get there yet. So hopefully he proves me wrong this year. Um, so yeah, that's it for the. Um, some of the preseason stuff. Don't want to talk too much about that, because um, preseason doesn't matter. Um, so I want to talk about their expectations. The expectations that I have for them next year. Um, do I want to talk about predictions? No, I don't want to talk about predictions yet. Um, so the first thing I want to talk about is their offense. Their offense wasn't good last year, um, even though on paper, like, I thought it should have been. And then some, like, Dazbertons could not shoot the ball at all. Um, that was bad. Um, actually, no, before I talk about all that, I want to talk about their um, depth chart. So there's projected rotation. Like, I think that they're going to start Spencer Dinwiddie, Bradley Beal, Contavious, Kyle Pope, Rui Hachimura, and Daniel Gafford. Off the bench, I think it's going to be Hal Neto, Aaron Holiday, Kyle Kuzma, Dazbertons, and Montrezl Harrell. And then... And behind them, um, Cassius Winston, Denny Avdia, Anthony Gill, Thomas Bryant, eventually when he comes back. And then Corey Kispert and Isaiah Todd are the last two guys on the roster. Um, and then Cassius Winston and Joel Ayayi are the two-way guys who I don't expect to play. Um, so you have 10 guys, like Dinwiddie Beal, KCP, Hachimura, um, Gafford, Neto, Holiday, Kuzma, Batons, Harrell, and then Avdia, and then Bryant. So that's 12 guys that I would look at and expect to be in the rotation. Someone's going to get left out. Um, I think it's like, usually coaches go with a 10 man rotation. Eventually there are going to be injuries. Like you're starting the season with Thomas Bryan injured. I don't think he's going to be back till like December. Um, so that's 11 guys. And then someone's going to have to be cut out. I would guess it's going to be Aaron holiday from the jump. Um, just looking at the way that they used him in the preseason. Um, I don't know who else would like it. There's no one else. Like it's either holiday or Neto. It has to be, um, because you have, Two players at pretty much every other position, and then three-point cards. Um, I guess then Holiday would have to be the odd man out. Maybe you can run with three-point cards. I don't know. And then when Thomas Bryant comes back, are you going to run with that three-center rotation again? Like, I think that I would personally probably think about trading Montrezl Harrell and trying to get some value out of him. 
or Thomas Bryant. Like, I would definitely trade Thomas Bryant. I am not high on Thomas Bryant at all. Like, I think that Thomas Bryant getting injured actually helped the Wizards last season. Um, not that I wish injury upon anyone. Like, I hope he comes back and is fully healthy. Um, but he's just not good defensively. Like, he doesn't help them at all. Defensively, like, he spaces the floor a little bit, yeah. Um, he can. He's a good offensive player, but I don't think he's a very good center. Like, quite frankly, like, I think Gafford and Montrose are both better than him. I'd rather have both of them playing the whole 48 minutes than having Thomas Ryan play at all because they're better basketball than him to me. So we'll kind of see how the Wizards handle him coming back. Um, so yeah, now I'll talk about their offense. Um, I hope they're better. Um, the way that they used Bradley Beal last year, I thought was really, really good. Um, Bradley Beal is incredible off the ball. Um, and that Scott Brooks used him a lot in that way. But they also, like, if you put Bradley Beal off the ball, you got to give the ball to someone. And the someone they're giving the ball to is Russell Westbrook. Um, the stat that stands out to me about Westbrook was that he shot the ball like 25% of the possessions he played and his, uh, um, true shooting percentage was seven or eight points below league average on those shots. Um, so you just can't have an efficient offense if you're playing that way. Um, so those possessions are going to go like more than we're going to go to Beal. Um, some of them are going to go to KCP. Some of them are going to go to Dinwiddie. Some are going to go to like Kuzma. Bertans is hopefully going to shoot the ball more. Like Rui's probably going to get an expanded role. Um, so to me, that's a good thing. And then the way that they're using Bradley Beal um, in the offense, just using him more on the ball, using more intricate screening actions with him, like allowing him to make some more decisions and pick and roll and stuff like that. I think that's smart. Um, Bradley Beal is not a very good passer yet. Um, he showed some flashes last year, I thought, of pick and roll playmaking. I want to see if he can expand on that this year. Um, Dinwiddie also, like he's pretty good in the pick and roll. He's not necessarily making high level reads to the weak side corner. Um, but he is good at reading like the first level guys, like good at like, okay, I can either drive, I can do like this inside hand finish, or I can throw this lob if the big man steps up this amount in this drop coverage, like that kind of stuff. Um, I think that Dinwiddie's really good at. And then Contavious Caldwell Pope, like just using him as a shooter to stand in the weak side corner, I think is going to help a lot versus who they had last year, which was like Avdia, um, you know, those types of guys who aren't really good at shooting. Um, like the defense is going to have to actually think about helping off their guy this year. Um, especially like also in Kyle Kuzma. Um, and also like Caitlin Cooper wrote a really good piece about like the willingness to shoot. Like a lot of times willingness to shoot is a lot more important than three point percentage. Um, and the defense's perception of the player is more important than like the actual results sometimes. Um, so I think that's the case with Contavious Carter Pope and Kyle Kuzma, where they're both shooters that will like, they don't have the highest percentages necessarily. I think Kuzma or KCP actually has a really high percentage, but, um, they're more willing to shoot the ball. So defenses are going to be more reluctant to help off of them. So that's always a good thing, especially when you have two guards as good as driving to the rim as Bradley Beal and Spencer Dinwiddie. Rui Hachimura, I personally would not start Rui. Like, I know he's going to start over Kyle Kuzma or Kentavious Kuala Pope, but he's not better than them. Like, he's just not better at basketball than them. I don't get the Wizards infatuation with Rui. I think it's a lot of it is driven by the fact that Rui Hachimura was Tommy Shepard's like the first player Tommy Shepard ever drafted was Rui with the ninth pick a couple of years ago. So I would guess that he's telling like Wes Unsell, like, yo, this guy, like he's going to start games, um, bring someone off the bench. Like we're starting this guy. We want to build with him going forward. Um, and I just don't think Rui's that good. Like he's not a good decision maker. He's not a good shooter. Good finisher on the rim if he can never get there, but he can't really get there off the dribble. He needs someone else to get, like, you know, feed him that. Um, just like I, I don't, I don't get it with him. Um, defensively, I think he's like fine, but he's not great. Like I, like he's a fine backup four right now. Um, I don't really get the the infatuation with him from the franchise, but you know whatever. Um, 
I hope he doesn't close games over Kyle Kuzma because that would make me a little upset. But yeah, like Rui being on the floor with Daniel Gafford, like Rui is treated as a complete non-shooter and obviously Gafford doesn't shoot. So I never like having more than one non-shooter on the floor at any time. And Rui kind of forces you to have that because Montrezl Harrell is your backup center and he's not a shooter. So whenever Rui's on the floor, it's probably going to be two non-shooters. Um, so I don't really like that. I'd rather start someone like Bertans. I'd, no, I'd, I mean, I'd rather start Kuzma. I'd probably rather start Bertans over Rui. Um, but the, I guess the thought is that he gives you more help in the back line, which the Wizards need. Um, is Rui a very good backline rim protector? Ugh, I don't necessarily think so. Um, but I guess as a thought, um, that kind of gets more into the defense discussion. Um, in terms of the Wizards' transition attack, like they're not going to be as good as they were last year. They were like one of the best in the league last year. They should still be fine with Spencer Dinwiddie and Bradley Beal juicing up the pace. Uh, an underrated loss, actually, in that area is Ishmith. Like, Ishmith does a great job of juicing up the pace. Um, but, yeah, they're going to lose a little bit of that element. But they are going to make big gains in terms of efficiency overall. They should be able to attack the rim more with more spacing. Um, and then they should be a much, much, much better team shooting the ball. They're also are going to have a coach that, like, emphasizes, like, I know that um, West Sunset Jr. embraces analytics a little bit more than Scott Brooks. Like, he's going to encourage them to shoot the ball. Um, and KCP and Kakuzma don't need to be encouraged to shoot the ball. Like, Bertans is hopefully going to, like, actually be healthy this year and not just, like, have taken two months off of playing basketball. Um, so hopefully he's going to shoot the ball well, too. And the Wizards aren't going to be, like, the worst shooting team in the NBA. Okay, so now I want to talk a little bit about their defense. Um, and this is where I will bring up the pick and roll stuff. Um, so if you play at the level of the screen, which is what the Wizards were doing in the preseason, then the weak side corner or the strong side corner, if there's a single tag on the weak side, one of those two has to help, um, and they have to tag the roller. That becomes an issue if your point guard is 6'3", your shooting guard is 6'3", and what is Contavious called Popolis at? 6'4"? Like, maybe 6'5"? I want to look it up. Um, Contavious Caldwell Pope Height. So KCP's listed at 6'5". I think that might be a little generous to him. Um, I want to see what his official NBA listed height is. Because are they are they doing the actual heights this year? So he's 6'5". Um, KCP, I don't think, can hold up against the center rolling to the rim. Um, I don't think he's big enough for that. So then you're relying on Rui Hachimura, um, who is a okay second side rim protector. Not a great one. Not very good instincts. Like, the other thing you're relying with when you play that kind of more aggressive strategy is defensive players who can help and recover and know when to help and recover. Like, the timing is hard because Gafford, after he plays at the level and after his man moves the ball, has to get back to his man, bump the person who was tagging the man onto their own man. Whoever, like, whoever was helping, like, you have to help the helper. So if someone from the weak side corner comes and tags the roll in the middle of the floor, the person who is guarding the person nearest to the weak side corner has to split the difference of the two people on the weak side. Um, so then they have to bump them up, and then you have to do a lot of rotations. Like, are the Wizards going to be capable of doing an X out this year? Uh, I saw that, like, zero times last year. Like, their weak side defense from corners was terrible last year. Like, it was awful. Um, are they going to be capable of doing that this year? Like, they have a few new players, but, like, Bertans didn't execute well. Um, he was actually positioned pretty decently most of the time, but he is just like a traffic cone protecting the rim. Beal was awful in that last year. Um, Rui Hachimura was like not great. Um, Daniel Gafford thrived in a system that was conservative. 
Thomas Bryant for like what eight games or whatever like he looked better in a system that was conservative um asking these guys who aren't very experienced to be more aggressive is that is that gonna hurt them um is that gonna be ugly like I'm kind of worried it might be um especially like Kyle Kuzma like are you relying on him to provide some second side like rim protection like are you relying Bradley Beal to communicate with Spencer Dinwiddie on the X out are you relying Brad on Bradley Beal to give you consistently good effort defensively um, when he's probably going to have to carry a lot of the load offensively again if the Wizards want to be a good offensive team. And then off the bench, like, are you relying on Howell Neto and Aaron Holiday? Like, those guys are, like, six feet tall. Um, how much are you going to rely on Denny Avdia, who probably can't execute NBA defense at a high level yet, even though I do think he's a smart player? Um, like, I'm worried about the personnel, but I see why um, Wes Unsell Jr. wants to run this coverage because what else are you going to do? Like, you you just cannot run a drop with Montrezl Harrell. You cannot run a drop. Well, I mean, you can't run a drop with Thomas Ryan, but I don't know. Thomas Ryan's tough because I just think he's awful defensively. Um, but you cannot run a drop with Montrezl Harrell. It's just not going to work. I think you can run a really, really good drop coverage with Daniel Gafford, um, but running two different coverages um, with two different centers is kind of hard to do. Uh, kind of exe- Like, it's hard to execute. So, and Daniel Gafford, I think, can move his feet pretty well in space. Um, the technique isn't 100% there. Um, but he's pretty athletic. He's really light on his feet for being six foot eleven. Um, he has really long arms. Like I think that he can be disruptive on the perimeter if you play him in a more aggressive scheme. He kind of just has to learn it, and I think that's going to take time. Like there's going to be growing pains this season watching Daniel Gafford run around at the level of the screen. There's going probably going to be growing pains watching Daniel Gafford try to communicate on defense, um, as there is with any what, what is he twenty two, twenty one, twenty three, something like that. Like you got to remember how young these guys are. It's really really hard to play defense at the NBA level. Um, same thing for Rui Hachimura. Um, it's going to take time for him, um, and that's okay. But if he, your expectation is to have a really good defense this season, I'm not sure how you do it with this group. Like, the point of attack defense was really bad last year because Beal and Westbrook were so bad. Um, th- do I expect Beal to be good this year? Like, no. Do I expect Din- like Dinwiddie to be good defensively this year? No. He, at the very least, is going to be better than Westbrook. Westbrook was awful defensively last year. Um, he consistently broke the shell. He consistently didn't execute help responsibilities. Every time Westbrook got screened, he just died. He was out of the possession. Um, Dinwiddie is going to be a big upgrade on Westbrook. I just don't think he's going to be above average defensively. Contavious called a Pope. Okay, so I think something that I might be underrating a little bit when thinking about this defense is the effect that Contavious called a Pope and Kyle Kuzma will have. Um, they are just so much better defensively than any wing that the Wizards played last year. Like, I, who was even playing all the minutes at the wing for the Wizards last year? I want to pull this up super quick. Um, in terms of the Wizards minutes leaders last year, um, Russell Westbrook played the most by far. Then Bradley Beal, Rui Hachimura, then Dallas Rutans, Howell Neto. Um, someone stopped me when they hear someone who's actually a positive wing defender. So Westbrook, Beal, this is order order minutes played last year. Westbrook, Beal, Hachimura, Bertans, Neto, Lopez, Avdia, Alex Len, Garrison Matthews, Ish Smith, Daniel Gafford, Mo Wagner, Chandler Hutchison, um, Isak Bonga. So Isak Bonga is the guy who I'd say is a positive defender on the wing. And he was 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. He was 14th in minutes played. He played 230 minutes last year. Um, in NBA season is 72 minutes times... I'm going to do some quick math. 72 times 48 equals 3,564 minutes. If you divide that number by however many minutes 
Isak Banga played, um, which was 238. Um, two, three, eight. So 14% of your minutes last year for the Wizards, you had a good wing defender on the floor. Besides that, you you didn't have any. Like, no one else who played for the Wizards, I would say, is a good wing defender. Like, maybe you can put Chandler Hutchison in that. Like, maybe if you squint hard enough, you can put Troy Brown Jr. in that. Um, but he only played 198 minutes for this team. Um, so, yeah, the Wizards sucked on the wing last year. Like, having two good defenders who can defend on the wing um, is going to be helpful. And just having two guys who are, like, actually, like, they came from a really good system. Like, the Lakers have consistently been one of the best defenses in the league. Um, and these were two key cogs in that machine. Like, they're going to be able to communicate. Like, they're going to be able to do stuff out there that the Wizards just didn't have guys that could do last year. So that is going to be helpful. That may be something that I'm underrating when I just am sitting here thinking about them. Um, also, maybe, like, I might be underrating just improvements from year two to three for Rui Hachimura and year one to two from Denny Avia. Um, the biggest improvement you'll ever make in your NBA career, you generally, is from year one to two. So is Avia going to just be way better this year? Like, with a new coach and a new system? Maybe. Do I remember the system that Maccabi Tel Aviv played when I was watching film on Denny Avia? Like, no. Like, maybe he played in a more aggressive system. He's just going to be more comfortable. Like, I, I don't remember at all. Um, I think some of the, the allure with him was that he could move his feet defensively. He had some seconds. I remember particular. I just, I didn't see it last year. Like, I don't think Denny Avia is quick enough on his feet to guard wings. Like, his stance is just a little bit too upright. Um, and he's just not generally, like, quick twitch enough to move his feet laterally in the way that you need to to guard wings. I also don't think he's long enough to compensate for that. Um... I think he's more of a four going forward, but we'll see. Um, obviously, also, he's going to get more on-ball reps. I didn't talk about that much. Um, he's going to get more chances with the second unit. Like, he's not just going to be standing in the corner like he was last year, and that's going to be fun because that was the allure of him coming out of Maccabi Tel Aviv. Um, so, yeah, the defense is questionable. Um, How Neto. Also, I want to give him a shout-out. He's going to probably play more this season, maybe. Um, I want to actually... So Raul Neto played 21 minutes a game last year. Um, so I think he's going to play more. Um, I like him as a point of attack defender. I don't. I like him as a team defender. I don't like him having to tag a roller ever um, because he's really small. Um, so we'll kind of see um, how this more aggressive coverage plays out. But also, like, so the things that have been coming out of camp from two weeks ago were that Wes Unseld was really, really, really focused on defense. I'm um, really, really focused on putting in a scheme. And he's also a defensive coach. He was the defensive coach of the Denver Nuggets, who had a much better defense than their personnel showed. So maybe I might be underrating the new personnel a little bit. Maybe I might be underrating the new coach. But I think that the centers are the big issue here, and not Daniel Gafford, but Montrose Harrell and Thomas Bryant. Um, you're going from having a three-center rotation of three really, really good defensive centers to a rotation of one really good defensive center and then two really bad defensive centers. I think that's going to really, really hurt their defense. Also playing Bretons a lot at the four um, and just playing him more. It's going to hurt your defense. Playing Avdia more at the four, I would expect to hurt your defense. Um, and then playing Rui Hachimura at the four, I would also expect to not be great. And then having Spencer Dinwiddie, Bradley Beal at the point of attack, and then KCP at the three, just having that lack of size is going to hurt their aggressive scheme, in my opinion. Um, but again, like, Wesson's a junior knows what he's doing. He knows a thousand times more about basketball than I do. Um, so I'm sure whatever scheme he is going to run um, is hopefully going to be the best scheme for maximizing this team and the personnel. But we're just going to have to wait and see. Um, I'm really, really excited for what he does. I'm actually, like... Maybe I don't sound like it, but I'm so excited to have Wes Unseld Jr. Like, I'm so excited to see the little intricacies he runs in his offense and defense. Like, that's so exciting to me. Um, like, just not having to watch Scott, Scott Brooks-led offense and defense is 
great. Um, so anyways, I want to get into general predictions. So in terms of the Wizards offense, I think that they are going to be about the 15th ranked offense, um, middle of the pack, just because I'm still concerned about like who, like, so Bradley Beal is going to drive them, who else is kind of going to be there. And then like, if you just go through the offenses in the NBA, um, I want to go through super quickly. I got to pull it up. But the offenses that I think are going to be better than the Wizards, like there's so much good offense in the NBA that like being 15th is actually a pretty good accomplishment in my eyes. Um, give me a second while I pull it up. Um, so again, like I'd like you to sit here and think about like which offense you think the Wizards are going to be better than when I go through this. Because there is... Again, like there's so much good offense in the NBA. So Nets, Jazz, Mavericks, Lakers, Trailblazers, Suns, Hawks, Nuggets, Bucks. Like I don't think the Wizards are going to even think about touching those teams. Then you have like the Bulls. I think we'll see with them. They're interesting. The 76ers, who have Joel Embiid, they're always going to be good offensively with him, Seth Curry, Tobias Harris. Um, Celtics, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. Like it's tough to match that. Um, but I don't know. Their spacing is a little iffy. Their passing is iffy, just like the Wizards passing. Um, but yeah, we'll just kind of see. The Pacers, who always have a good offense, they have Rick Arlo, who's one of the best offensive coaches in the league, and they have TJ Warren, Karis Avert, Malcolm Brogdon, Miles Turner, and DeMontis Simonis. Like That's just a really, really good bunch. Um, and then the Pelicans, who were around 12th offensively last year, they have obviously Zion, Brandon Ingram. They're adding Devontae Graham, that element of shooting. They're adding Jonas Valanciunas, who is a really, really good offensive center. Um, and then they just have their, you know, like Thomas Adarensky, um, Garrett Temple, like Nikhil Alexander Walker is going to be better. Like, so that's those are the teams that kind of like right above the Wizards. And then also um, the Cl- uh, the Clippers, um, I think that they're going to run a lot more of their small ball stuff. Like, I think Paul George is still really good. Like, Reggie Jackson is a good offensive player. Um, like, they're still, like, Marcus Morris is a good offensive player. Like, they're still a good team. Like, I can see the argument for the Wizards being higher than the Clippers. And then the teams that have right around the Wizards are the Timberwolves, Warriors, Heat, Kings, Grizzlies, Knicks. Um, so I think the Wizards can finish anywhere from like 12th to like 20th offensively. Um, I just said 15th because I think they're probably near the higher end of the group that I just named of the Timberwolves, Warriors, Wizards, Heat, Knicks, Grizzlies, Knicks. Um, but yeah, it's going to be tough. Um, and then for defense, I think they're going to be around 18th in the league last year. They were a little bit higher than that, but I think they're going to regress because of the whole center situation. Um, but yeah, again, like there's a lot of good defense in the league. Like there's just a lot of good teams in the league this year. That's one thing I haven't really talked about. I haven't talked about the league as a whole. Um, the, a lot of teams got better. Like it's going to be tough for the Wizards in the East because so many teams in the East got better. Like there are very few teams actively tanking. There's like, so the Thunder, the Rockets, the Pistons, and the Magic are actively tanking. And then the Cavs aren't actively tanking, but they're just bad. <laughs> um, so you've added 30 teams in the league. Like five of them are all like really, really going to be bad. Um, and then the rest of them are probably going to be like fine to really good um so here are the defensive teams i have like clearly but the wizards like the jazz obviously like rudy gobert um celtics bucks heat 76ers lakers suns clippers raptors spurs i think are going to be by far and way better than wizards i think the grizzlies are going to be better than wizards the knicks the warriors the pacers the nuggets the hawks um the one i can see an argument for or the couple i can see an argument for are the nuggets and the hawks i think that you can argue that the wizards are going to be better than them defensively because the hawks do have a few weak spots, but Clint Capella is just so good at cleaning everything up. And then the Nuggets still have Jokic, but they have just been consistently a really good defense despite Jokic. Um, we'll kind of see if that continues, actually, with one Sasso Jr. gone. That's a pretty interesting dynamic there. Um, so maybe the Wizards are going to be better than them defensively, but they've been consistently pretty good the last couple of years. And then below the, like right below the Wizards, I have the Nets, Mavericks, Pelicans, Magic. I think the Wizards are better than all those teams defensively. 
Um, but again, like like Chris House Porzingis can you know retain some of that rim protection and some of those movement skills he used to have. Like maybe the Mavericks can get better. Um, besides that, like I think the Wizards are better than those teams. Like the Nets were good in the playoffs last year defensively. I don't think they're going to be good in the regular season defensively. Um, so right around 18th is you know where I have the Wizards. I think that's pretty unfair to them. Like I would say like a range of like 16 to 20 is where I think the Wizards could be defensively. Um, so then if you're the um, what did I say for their offense? What was my final range? Um, I said 12th to 20th, and then 16th to 20th um, defensively, 12th to 20th offensively. Um, you know, middle of the road team. Um, so the wins projection that I had, or prediction that I had for them, um, is 38 wins. Um, their Vegas over under is 33.5. I think that's way too low. I don't get how you get to that low of a number. Like I think they got better last, this season, and they were way above that last season. They're like at the they're at a thirty seven win pace last year, um, and I think they got better. So thirty eight wins. Um, their um, Darko is um, one of the better predictive apps out there. Um, they have the Wizards for thirty six wins this season, so I think they're going to be a little bit above that. Um, I've seen people all over the place on the Wizards. Like I think they're good. Um, the problem is you're in the East, um, and the East has a lot of good teams. So like the teams that are clearly just clearly better than the Wizards, like the there'd have to be some sort of like crazy season from someone on the Wizards or um, just a um, injury on one of these eight teams for the Wizards to be above them. But here are the eight teams that I have clearly about the Wizards. I have the Nets, the Bucks, the Hawks, the Sixers, um, the Celtics, Heat, Pacers, and Knicks. I don't think the Wizards are even close to any of those teams. So then I think they're in this little next, the next group that I see the Wizards um, around are the Raptors, Bulls, Hornets, and then the Wizards. Um, I'm pretty low on the Bulls this year. Um, I'll be really, really interested to see what they do. I just think their defense is going to suck. Um, the Raptors, I think, are pretty good. The Wizards play the Raptors in the first game of the season. That's going to be really interesting. And then the Hornets, I'm also lower on than most people. So I think, so I have the wins at 38 wins. I have 38 wins, being 10th in the Eastern Conference, barely making the playing game. Um, the teams I have in the playing game are the Pacers, Knicks, Raptors, and Wizards, for what it's worth. Um, and then in the playing context, I think the Wizards would lose to the Raptors in a single game. Um, so I, if I had to predict what's going to happen this season, <laughs> Wizards 10th seed, losing to the Raptors in the playing game, is that going to happen? Probably not. A lot of stuff is going to go on this season, and it's going to be crazy. But yeah, the Wizards, I think, are going to be fighting, fighting clawing for the play-in. I don't see how they get to the top eight, and if they make the playoffs, I don't see how they get past the first round. Um, top of the league is just too good. Like, I, I don't see it. Um, hopefully the Wizards know that, um, and they don't expect to, like, make some big playoff push. Um, the interesting thing here, uh, how far am I into this? 49 minutes, okay. So the interesting thing here is that Bradley Beal's contract is going to be done at the end of the year. So I'm, like, a little bit worried that if the Wizards get out to, like, a 10 and 15 start or something, like, they're not good. Bradley Beal's just going to say, like, yeah, I'm not going to be here next year. Either trade me or I'm going to walk out at the end of the season for nothing. And then there's going to be a lot of panic. Um, but I don't know. Um, we'll kind of see what happens with that whole situation. That's a little bit scary. Um, but yeah, that's going to do it for this episode. Um, again, wizard season starts tomorrow. Play the Raptors. Really, really excited for that. I'm um, going forward on this podcast. I'm going to do a little bit of a different format than I did last year. Um, I'm a full-time student. Um, last year I was at home, so I had the time to do a um, recap for every game. I'm not going to have that luxury this year. I'm going to try to do recaps for every single like really big game that happens or for like every really good game that happens I want to get a recap out because I do love producing that content but going forward I'm probably going to do a once weekly episode um just kind of recapping big ideas and then getting into little like nitty-gritty things that I find really interesting maybe doing like mini game recaps like five to ten minute game recaps from each game that happened that week um but I don't know we'll kind of see um I'll figure it out as we go along I'll play around with like how I do things um but yeah I hope you enjoyed this episode 
Thank you for listening to the Wizards Hoops Analyst Podcast on the Hoop Heads Podcast Network. Please don't forget to subscribe and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Hoops Wizards Pod. I'll see you next time.